lightning. Inspirational. Powerfully refining. Powerfully refining. And unapologetically controversial. Conversations with the Royal Impress. The entire world knows the secret of who you are. Now is the time to step into your queendom and become the Royal Empress that you're meant to be. One woman at a time. Conversations with the Royal Empress. Now Akiba, she's the analytical Empress. Akima, she's the Empress that will challenge you. Now, straighten up your crown and be elevated through conversation. Conversation with the Royal Empress. Welcome to Conversations with the Royal Empress. I'm Akila, and joining me is my co-host, my sister from another mister, Hakima. <laughs> Blessings. <laughs> this episode, we are discussing staying safe and surviving a pandemic. And we are joined by renowned virologist, infectious disease expert, Dr. Lane Rowling. Thank you, Dr. Rowling, for joining us. Thank, Thank you very you. much for the platform this afternoon. Thank you. So we're going to talk a little bit about Dr. Rowling. Uh, and who he is. Dr. Rowling is an infectious disease expert, a pathogenic virologist who has specialized in anti-COVID tools and techniques since the pandemic began. He was already one of the world's foremost experts in biosafety. Now he is a COVID, a COVID safety expert as well. Um, he has a BS in chemistry and microbiology with a minor in military science an MS in Cellular and Molecular Biology, an MD and DPM, that's two medical degrees, and has served in the U.S. military. So his guidance is invaluable. Um, and we are, we're just honored to have you here to, to bring information to, to, to our listeners and to anyone who listens to this show. So thank you again. Well, thank you folks for having me on your program. And I look at it like this, any time I have an opportunity to be on anybody's platform, you have the ability to influence and save people's lives. And at the end of the day, this is what it's all about. You know, as we navigate through this COVID-19 pandemic, it's gonna get worse before it gets better. And we're looking at probably another two, three years of this continual cycle before we actually get a hold of grip. So thank you for having me on your platform. And I hope this is gonna be some valuable information for your folks. Thank you. Now, is there anything that you wanted to add to um, the brief bio that we did for you? Not necessarily. If I had to, uh, if I had to say one thing, I would say you know I was nominated Global Humanitarian of the World. I didn't win. I was nominated <laughs> Blue Planet Prize, which was now I was the first minority Black to be nominated. That makes me feel good, and I'm one of the top everyday uh, world heroes. And I was in a uh, you know award-winning Hollywood uh, documentary on the guys working in the front lines in COVID. So that's all I can say. So let's, let's get started. Yes, sir. So the very first thing um, that I want to start out with is just talking about what what is SARS-CoV-19, and if you can kind of talk about the life of a virus. 
Well, I mean, at the end of the day, this is a problem that we've had uh, and why we have to reset the clock. You know, I've been talking about this for a year and a half, trying to educate uh, uh, folks on understanding virology because that was the biggest mistake they made here in the United States. Well, worldwide, nobody had a town hall for the country. You know, uh, you had guys jumping into a lane they did not understand. So what I try to do as an infectious disease guy and a professor is try to break it down to a language where people can understand. So for example, this is a virus. There's two types of virus. There's a DNA virus and an RNA virus. The SARS virus is an RNA virus. And notoriously, RNA viruses are very, very difficult to treat. They're very, very difficult to make vaccines for, i.e. they also, they mutate every day on a regular basis. This SARS virus is a coronavirus. Uh, it's been around for millions of years. We find it in we find it in bats. We don't find it. Uh, you know, this virus uh, is an everyday uh, vector of being carried by bats in it. It lives in bats. There are 400 different coronaviruses that do live in bat bats, and then out of that, you know, seven of them affect human beings on a regular basis. And this is where we're at, folks. This came from a, a wet market. Somebody ate a bat. The virus jumped into a human being. We call it spillage or spillover. And the reality is that once that virus jumped into that human being, that patient became patient zero, and then the rest of his history. And so the 2019, what we call COVID-19, is really is that the SARS pandemic is how we identify it. When we look at the pathology of the SARS pandemic virus, we have SARS, the first one was in 2002. We have MERS in 2003. So this is SARS 2019. And this is a pandemic, epidemic, pathogenic virus that's affecting everybody, and that's just the way it is. And the reality is that folks need to understand that there's really three modes of transmission of this virus. One is through secretions, the other one's respiratory, and the other one's fecal, uh, fecal transmission, and also weakening through urine in there also. How, um, because you're talking about the mutations, and that's, so just kind of getting up to speed with the Delta variant. Mm -hmm. um, that's sweeping across the United States now. How, how, how do mutations happen? And, and I do want to go here because we keep hearing about how this is uh, now a pandemic of the unvaccinated, as if because people are unvaccinated that, that, that it's mutating and that it's um, <laughs> spreading all over. That's just misinformation. The bottom line is that this is what RNA viruses do. Every time an RNA virus is in a human being and it replicates, it's a mutation. You have mutants. That's just the way it is. The reason why we have this particular virus is coronaviruses are very notoriously for uh, mutating. That is why out of the seven coronaviruses that people are affected with, the first four, what we call the alpha coronavirus, causes a common cold. And that's, we get that, you get it, everybody gets it. And guess what? We get, we get a cold every year. That shows you that there's no term affinity, maturation, or conferred immunity, which means you have long-term immunity. And so when we look at the pathogenic viruses, which are very lethal, what we see now, it's the same phenomenon. You get affected with these guys, you're going to have a serious outcome, you know, whatever the case is. But at the end of the day, the bottom line here is that this virus gets into a human being, uh, for whatever case, you know, uh, you're infected with it. This virus is going to mutate, and mutations is a product of the expression of the evolutionary environment. If a virus is being attacked or if there's ineffective treatment, if a vaccine doesn't have the 100% effective cure rate on that virus, that virus lives, that virus is going to try to change, and it's going to mutate, and that's what's happening. So we've gone from alpha 
We're going to beta, we're going to gamma, delta, epsilon, uh, kappa, iota, and eta. You know, these oh. are the, the, yeah, there's three more new ones out now. And what's happening is that each of these uh, viruses get to see what's happening on the other virus and it makes a change. It makes a change to give it the ability to do whatever it's going to do, the ability to attack to the cell better, or even maybe also to invade the immune system. When we look at the Delta variant, from, and Delta variant is from India. And India has two main strains, strains going in uh, India. You have a double mutation and a triple mutation virus. You know, and this is just a game changer. And now what's happening, you have a Delta P virus mutation, which is a combination of the South African strain and the Indian strain. So you can see where this is going. And so this is the not having an effective policy, having people sick, coughing on other people, you have the, an African person goes to India, an Indian person goes to Africa, people go to Olympics, they mix, they mix these viruses together, and these viruses take hold. And for example, you can get, you can, people that are affected right now with the Delta virus can also be affected with the Alpha virus. They can also be affected with the Gamma virus. You can have two, three, four different mutations in an individual human beings. And so at the end of the day, viruses are going to try to change, and that's why we have to make sure that we have an effective policy to control the mitigation. You have to wear a mask. It doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated because if you get an individual from India, a person from Russia, somebody from Afghanistan, and they're carrying different coronaviruses, SARS virus, they can co-mingle and they have recombination of the RNA. And that's what's happening. That's why we're starting to get these, 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 these uh, very, very dangerous uh, mutations. And we're gonna see more deadly mutations down the road because what's happening is that the vaccines are ineffective. And what's happening is that, you know, for example, you know, you you might be asymptomatic. You went to Las Vegas, you go home, you go down to the next day or a week later to get your vaccine. The virus has been in your body for exactly one week seeing what's going on. You get injected, that body, that virus has already made an establishment in your body and it's gonna see what's coming and it's gonna change. You might kill some of the virus, but that virus is gonna mutate and that's why we believe a scientist, you know, even a UK scientist believe the next super mutation is going to come out of somebody vaccinated. There was an article, speaking of uh, the UK, there was just an article in Al Jazeera um, that said that uh, they had hundreds of people now hospitalized who had been fully vaccinated. That is um, true. Yeah. In Chicago, Chicago, 151 people approximately two weeks ago, 151 people died in Chicago and they were fully vaccinated. And there were over 500 emissions hospitalizations that were people that were vaccinated. So this word talking about breakthrough, it shows you once again, if you cannot have a breakthrough if your vaccine is effective. So how can you have a vaccine, somebody fully vaccinated and people getting sick and dying? So it shows you the limitation. And so we're getting to a point where we're going to become catastrophic because the, the, the wheels are going to fall off the cart because there is no plan. You know, there's no real effective plan. That's why we have to get back to our basic ground game and biosecurity safety protocols, i.e. you better wear a mask. You better wash your hands. You better make sure you disinfect your produce. You better make sure you have a mat in front of your house. You better create a bubble for yourself, not for yourself, also for your home, your family, et cetera, because this is a game changer. I have a question because yes. this educate me on this asymptomatic thing because I'm like either you got it or you don't. 
So can you um, break down what that means to be asymptomatic and if that's even realistic? Yeah, it's realistic. And if, uh, if you look at oral virology and parasitology, you know, uh, some of the best parasites are the ones that have the ability to really have a club cynical infection. You know, when we talk about infections, for example, you get Ebola. Now, you, Ebola, you got a 99.9% .9 chance you're going to die, period, in the story. And you're going to have full symptoms the whole nine yards. Well, that's not a very good pathogen. That's not a very good uh, getting its genetics out in the world because it kills everybody in that little small town versus HIV, which you get infected with HIV. You really don't have a full-blown infection. You're living with it, but guess what? You might live with that virus for 10, 15, 20 years, but you've got to infect the thousands of people. And so when you talk about subclinical uh, symptoms, this is part of asymptomatic as part of the virus gets into a human being, doesn't create a significant infection, you know, where you have a temperature, cough, headache, and all that stuff, but you're asymptomatic where the symptoms are not there and you're going around in the public coughing on people, blowing your nose, using the bathroom, and that is a defense mechanism of the actual virus to make sure it has the ability to affect more people because a great parasite or a parasite like a virus has the ability to affect millions of people, billions of people instead of affecting a couple hundred. So the most effective is always to try to have a subclinical uh, affection versus having a full blown infection. You got fever, headache, quarantine, you're in the bed, whatever the case is, versus somebody has a small grade fever that they might not even have a fever and they go out and they affect other people. Can you talk about uh, biosecurity? Um, like what that means and what what do we need to do to protect well, bio, ourselves? Biosafety is what we apply in the, in the, in the world of infectious diseases. I mean, biosafety is part of is everybody's life. The problem is that people really don't understand the concept of what, what you're trying to do with biosafety or biosecurity protocols. And in, and, in, and a pandemic, which is not a pandemic anymore, this is really an endemic, global endemic infection because the virus is on every place in the world in the population. So when we talk about biosafety and biosecurity protocols, what we're talking about is designing an area, a bubble that you can effectively work in, i.e., you know, you wanna control your space. And, you know, and if you understand the virus itself from, if you understand respiratory is part of that component, this is a virus, it's airborne. You better have an antiviral mask, which you need. And I didn't say regular mask, I said antiviral mask. You need to make sure that you wash your hands with great antiseptic hand wash that can kill viruses, not an antibacterial soap. You got to make sure you have a great uh, hand anti-sanitizer that has the ability to kill viruses. You need to make sure you have a mat in front of your house because the virus is transmitted on the bottom of your shoes. I helped develop the biodecontamination units here in Las Vegas, and these units are $60,000. They're in the hospitals, they're in the construction site where people walk through almost like Star Trek, and it sprays you from the top of your head, the whole body to the bottom of your shoes. Well, I knew that a lot of people couldn't afford a $60,000 machine or even $8,000 machine. So, and one of the critical things is the transportation under the bottom of your shoes. So we have mats that we put uh, the solution in, people step in these mats. When you look at countries like Mexico and the other countries, Mexico has all my biosecurity protocols in place in their hospitals, their schools, their churches, you can't even go into a restaurant or a hotel without stepping on these mats. Then you have to have your mask on. Then you have to decontaminate your hands. 
then you have to have a temperature check. The bathroom is controlled. So biosafety, biosecurity is creating a bubble to, to decrease your ability to be affected by this particular virus or even bacteria by decreasing the amount of viral load that you're going to be exposed to. If I have a mask, somebody cough, well, I've got a mask, I'm going to decrease the amount of viruses I'm going to get. If I have an antiviral mask, I'm going to really eliminate that down to almost, almost like 1%. You know, if I'm disinfecting my feet, I don't have to worry about the virus being transmitted into my house. Or even if I have a dog and my dog goes outside, my dog walks on that mat, you disinfect the dog's paw. So this is part of that part of that plan, understanding, creating that bubble, controlling your bathroom. And so my responsibility is to try to get people back to work, get kids back in school. And if I educate people and we create this bubble, because this is our new world, we cannot continue to quarantine social distance people have to get back kids got to get back to school but you have to realize we're working in a new norm and that new norm is your your antiviral mask is going to be like your iphone i have you already know we talked uh dr rowling and you know i have many of these protocols already in place <laughs> um for myself and so i'm just glad you're letting other people know and then other people won't think that i'm so extreme uh <laughs> But what about our immunity? What are things that we can do in terms of helping to build our immunity? Because I'm assuming that your immune system is designed to fight. What can we do to help it fight? Well, I mean, the immune system is, is remarkable. I mean, we have the innate immunity. We have our adaptive immunity system, making B cells and T cells and antibodies and all the things our body's exposed to you know, built over, uh, you know, millions of years as, as human beings have walked, being exposed to different viruses and bacteria. It's always a continual battle. You know, your skin is a defensive mechanism. Your spit is a, is a defensive mechanism. But at the end of the day, the, immune, the body's going to do what it needs to do, but you have to have a good, healthy lifestyle. You have to have a good, positive attitude. Uh, you know, you need to make sure your diet is good, you know, having exercise. And then the, and that the most important thing is that, you know, you might have to take a more, I recommend everybody take a multivitamin every day. But if, but the bottom line is that if you think that you're going to take 5,000 milligrams of vitamin D or vitamin C, it's not going to work. They've already done the studies of papers that uh, shows that taking more vitamin C or D is not going to decrease the amount of viruses in your body. Because the virus, once the virus gets in contact with the cell, the virus goes inside the cell. And there's no juju juice out there in the world that's going to be able to go inside that cell and eradicate that virus. But there is one thing I do recommend uh, on that is the, a thing called immune support, which is nitric oxide. And I've sent you the link to that where people get this and you can take this pill, one pill every day, uh, twice a day. And I, I was part of and worked on this with the, uh, you know, getting this out to the African-Americans and people, period, because this nitric oxide supplement will help prevent you from getting the severe complications by improving your nitric oxide levels because a lot of people are deficient in that and that's about the only real immune support uh, that supplement i really recommend and this is based off the science and understanding the white paper so immune support you have the link to that you can share that and this is something that everybody should be taking uh for the next three four years as long as we're in this this pandemic uh, another thing uh, on that uh part of the immune support is that I recommend that everybody get it. You need to get the pneumovax 23 vaccine because what ends up killing a lot of people is the, the streptococcus pneumonia, the pneumonia. 
So there's a very great stable vaccine that you go down to CVS Pharmacy, Walgreens and say, hey, I want the Pneumovax 23 shot, you get it. And this will prevent you from getting 23 of the different types of streptococcus pneumonia, and that will protect you. And I've gotten it, great vaccine that I recommend. And I'm a pro-vaccine person, and this is one of the pro-vaccines that I recommend because it keeps you from getting a severe complication or decrease your chances of getting a severe complication with pneumonia in your lungs. And I'm assuming because pneumonia is one of the things that people get when they get Yeah, you get two types of pneumonia. You get, a, you get a viral pneumonia and you get a bacterial pneumonia. And the bacterial pneumonia is, is much more lethal than the viral pneumonia. And you can treat the bacterial pneumonia, pneumonia uh, with antibodies, but you can also prevent it by taking a pneumovax 23 because you don't want to be some this COVID or the SARS virus in up with the COVID disease and in up with a viral pneumonia on top of a bacterial pneumonia, your body's already overwhelmed. So this is something that you can do prophylactically, prevent it from happening. Your thoughts on uh, colloidal silver and, and hydrogen peroxide and these, you know, people are adding that into, I guess, a more natural way to defend it. What are your thoughts on, on that? And, the thinking you know, that you can do it from, you can um, kind of combat catching it with from a natural way. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> well, there's no natural way to prevent anything. Okay. Virus will sell this virus, the Delta virus is 225% more, uh, you know, uh, more transmissible. And it only takes five seconds for you to be infected by it. So once that virus comes in contact with your nose cell, your throat cells, your mouth cell, whatever cell, that virus is already inside the cell. You know, so, you know, some of that stuff is anecdotal and I'm going to stick with the science and medicine, you know, but that's just why I, I, my training, I wasn't working around with uh, hydrogen peroxide to prevent a disease. I use hydrogen peroxide to clean a bacterial wound in a surgical patient. Okay. And so I have a different viewpoint. So I, I can't really speak on what they're using out there. I just know what I use in, in my, my, my treasure chest in understanding infectious and diseases and treating them. Mm. Good, you answered it right there. How do we how do we survive it? I mean, you know, people are in a panic right now. They're like, I, do you got people either believe they have the vaccination or not? That's your only option. What what can you what can you say to ease the mind of people who are in crisis mode right now over the COVID and the vaccine? Well, I mean, the bottom line at any day, you have to get your information from people that really truly understand the world of infectious diseases. You have to get you guys uh, your your information from people that have the experience. I'm talking real experience. I'm talking about being in the jungles. I'm talking mm -hmm. about doing epidemics and seeing kids die from rabies and vaccinating children for different diseases in the jungle. Mm -hmm. Being in the laboratory, growing up viruses, looking at viruses under microscopes, becoming a friend with viruses and infectious diseases. These are the people you want to trust. You don't want to be talking to some talking head. You know, uh, because that's what's got to us where we're at today, because they're not infectious disease specialists. You know, anybody can read a book and spit some stuff out, you know, uh, half educated. But do you have the experience and the knowledge based off of field experience? So when somebody starts talking about, well, I'm an expert in infectious disease, you say, well, uh, have you been to an Ebola outbreak? Have you done a malaria outbreak? Have you been in the jungles? Have you been in, in third world countries where disease is prevalent? And most of the time, what's going to happen is you, they're not going to be able to tell you that. And so the reality is that we're here because of the misinformation, disinformation from the system. 
Your president told you last year to put your head in a microwave, drink some Clorox, shoot yourself with bleach. It's going to go away in the fall time. You know, uh, Fauci telling you to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. The Surgeon General telling you don't wear a mask. And four months later, after the pandemic is blown up, he's showing you how to make a cough mask, mask out of a T-shirt. Man, these guys are all over the board. What they should have said was just, hey, this isn't viral disease. Wear a mask, period. We don't care if you have a vaccination or unvaccinated. Well, then you have the vaccine at that time anyway. But the point is, is that when you're dealing with a virus that's airborne, you have to have a, a mask, period, end of story. And so to relieve people's feelings and uh, anxiety is that you guys already had a preview of what happened last year. 607,000 people died, probably 850,000 people died. Over the world, millions of people have died. And then what we're looking at is that you had the opportunity to make a difference in your life. And now what's happening is you, you, you made it, you survived. Now, guess what? Now you, you had a preview of what's going to happen last year. You know what's going to happen over the next four or five months. And the reality is that you should be ready to be prepared to get ready because you will be looking for toilet paper in two weeks. You are going to be, you're going to be these folks that are going to be scrambling, uh, scrambling trying to get antiviral masks, et cetera, because you're not listening. And this time, you better make sure you have your A game in place because it's going to get rough out there in September, October, November. We're looking at probably 250,000 cases a day, September. Right now, we're at 100,000. We're looking at 4,000 people dying every day, September. You do 4,000 people over 30 days. That's about 120,000 people a month. You do over five months. The New Year's, you're looking at almost 600,000 people. So we're going to go over the million mark by January. So what you need to do is y'all need to pull your head out of the sand, stop being an ostrich, and stop worrying about your memorial, eating hamburgers and hot dogs and shooting off fireworks and being in these super spreader events in Chicago and Florida and Las Vegas because you're going to pay the price. And we are going to pay the price. You know, uh, just like the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally in South Dakota, 400,000 people riding their motorcycles, and, you know, they don't care if they're wearing masks or not wearing masks. They're going to be super spreader events. So you need to make sure you have what we call situation awareness, create your bubble, make sure that you understand the, the, the world that you're living in, making sure you have the best biotech based off of science that's been vetted, antiviral masks, antiseptic hand wash, you know, mats, uh, food uh, sanitizer to uh, disinfect your produce because your food coming from the store is infected. With the SARS virus, and you can imagine somebody goes into a Walmart or Kroger's in the, uh, in the in the produce, and people not wearing masks, they're coughing on the food, they're picking, they're squeezing the avocados, they're picking the cherries, they're picking their nose, they're scratching. And this is fact. I have my students do. I'm teaching a class right now in microbiology every Thursday, and uh, then one of the projects we had the students do last week, they went to Kroger's. They looked at the bathrooms at Walmart. They look at what people did in the produce in, uh, in uh, Kroger's, and you got flies flying around, landing on your apple in the trash can, people touching it. And these are all infected with, uh, or contaminated with uh, infectious diseases from SARS to uh, E. coli, salmonella. And you take that home and you don't wash it with the right stuff, you can get infected and die. So this is what you have to do to make sure you survive. So making sure you have good information and make sure you're in the game because information is going to be key here over the next five, six months. You mentioned uh, something on another show about when you travel on the airplanes. 
and mm -hmm. the things that you're seeing even in air travel can you kind of talk about that as well because a lot of people are flying myself included <laughs> um you know what what can you tell people about that as well well i mean you go to my instagram dr rolling uh even facebook you know i i i, I call it clinical field virology i, I love to our uh, clinical field infectious diseases because i love to see how people react i follow people in the bathroom so you can imagine on an airplane now, man, I've filmed this stuff. I've seen guys go in the bathroom, come out with, uh, with uh, feces on the back of their pants, and they're sitting in a chair and touching everybody, touching the other person's chair, cross-contamination. I've seen the airline stewards, flight attendants, touching the ice with their hands, touching, using the same glove to give somebody a credit card, have their mask half down, people sleeping with not their mask. You know, that is, uh, that is what you call the airplanes is a, is a great super spreader for viruses and the viruses love it because that's why the virus was able to go from India to Russia, all over the world in a short amount of time because of uh, mass transportation. So when you're on an airplane, you really have to control your environment. You have to spray your seat down because it's fecal contamination in the seat. The person before you probably rubbed his nose, never touch a magazine on a plane, never touch the, the, uh, the tray for the feature food Never touch that. Do all possible. Do not use the bathroom uh, on a plane because that's probably so super contaminated. And if you can't avoid it, don't ever get a drink from the uh, the flight attendant because their hands are touching the ice. They're using the same gloves. I, I've filmed this stuff. And so this is the environment. So you put yourself at a significant risk. And I love to fly too. And you better have a, a very good antiviral mask because you think you're going to get on there with a surgical mask open to the side, you're going to be infected because that's a very contained environment. And so that's very important to understand that situational awareness. And folks, and you can go look at uh, some of my videos on uh, on Instagram, me flying, me at the airport, uh, me at the cafeteria at the airport, me in the bathroom at the airport, filming you, showing you all the stuff that you need to look at, look at the urine and the, and the fecal stains in the bathroom, you walk in there with your shoes on. Women bathrooms are probably one of the most nastiest bathrooms on the planet. That's just a fact. And so you need to make sure that you understand that this is why people are infected with diseases and you have to have great uh, security bio uh, protocols. You said the women's bathroom was nasty. I was like, oh, I thought about my workplace. I'm like, you are so right. <laughs> but if you really want to get down to it, that's, that's what it is and stuff. And so, you know, and so these little small things, you can make a difference and stuff, you know, uh, you know, uh, I call it situational awareness, you know, just like something now I believe is going to be very important over the next three or four years is making sure that you have, uh, you know, uh, antiviral air purifications in your homes, right. in your job, foods and stuff, because the air is very important because that virus is in the air. So you want something that has the ability to really scrub that, like we say, scrub the air, get rid of the viruses, bacteria, and give you a clean environment. And that, that'll help too. That brings down the viral load in the air. And that gives people the ability to function. Um, now, I have air purifiers in my house. It, and I have um, the ones with the HEPA filters. Are those okay? Well, you should get one that has a help to, help to, help to filter and also UV radiation. I do uh, have. UV. Well, I have both. I should. Some of them are just HEPA, and then some have the UV. So I was actually yeah. going to ask you about the UV next. Well, the, ones, the best ones are the ones that have the, the double system on it. And that's just the bottom line. And we have that at Tapeta Biosecurity, we have the ones that are both double, and which is very important as we go through this next two, three years 
So people need to make the investment and stuff. You know, people spend money on iPhones. You need to spend money on, on protect yourself because it's going to get rough out there. Um, what about the, um, and now I'm just asking for myself and other people, of course. <laughs> but um, but I have, and then I know you talk about the double system, but what about those UV lights that um, that you can just sit in a room where you shut the door and you let them do their work and air the rooms out? It's not going to work because that's okay. a different light. You know, there's different waves with UV light, A, B, C, and stuff that really make their own. You have to have a UVC. But guess what? You use UVC, it can kill you and cause you cancer. That's right. stuff. So you have to really understand what you're talking about. So when you're talking about UV light, A, B, they don't really have the effective distance to really sterilize a wound. You really have to have the big time UVC. And that's a whole different ball game. You know, the simplest thing, get yourself a great uh, air purification antiviral that has both the UV in it and also the filter, which will give you that type of scrub in the air and stuff. And then we have, you know, big units that can cycle air, you know, up to 10 times an hour and gets the filters are down to 0.3 microns. So, so this is the type of medicine technology science that you have to have and not just grabbing some air filter from Amazon that you think is going to do its job and it says it gets rid of viruses. You really have to look, you don't have to peel back the, the potato and see what's in the core to make sure you understand what you got because you're putting your life in danger. That's the same thing I tell people, you know, you got to make sure you have a great mask. You know, I don't go into a hot zone uh, or into a hospital, you know, wearing some cheap mask. You know, he's not going to do that. It's like scuba diving. You want to have the right equipment to make right. sure you can feel comfortable in that environment. Yeah. What 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 do you foresee? Like, when is this thing going to be over? And 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 how? <laughs> he said two or three years. We go right, do. but I mean seriously, like, it. How do you can, can you cure a virus? Like, you know, I mean, I've I've read something where they say, oh, we we've, we've cured, we've gotten rid of polio, and we've gotten rid of this, and we've gotten rid of that. Um, I want to say it was the Baltimore um, Health Department had put out something like that. Saying yeah, but that, I mean, you can come up with vaccines for DNA viruses all day long. You know, they're pretty stable. But when you start talking the realm of pathogenic RNA viruses like Ebola, you know, that's a whole different ball game. HIV, we spend billions and billions of dollars and still ain't come up with a cure for the flu. HIV is just the way it is. RNA viruses notoriously mutates it and it's very hard to make a vaccine that can predict the different mutations that individuals going to have that virus is going to have so what is the ball game the ball game is making sure that you understand the environment listen to people that are smart really know what they're talking about and you feel comfortable with the information and then the third thing is to making sure that you understand that we're going to be we're going to be doing this again next year guys I mean, you, you might as well just get ready we're going to be going through this thing next year again this time of the year, because people are going to eat their barbecue, Memorial Day, et cetera, we're going to have another mutation. And so on we're going to be able to get a hold of this is that we have to have a uniform policy where everybody's vaccinated or not vaccinated. Everybody has got a mask. There's no if, ands about. It has to be a uniform educational uh, policy that everybody can understand. And the reality is this, folks, the vaccine is only one component. You need to understand that every time there's a new mutation, just like the president of Moderna said three days ago on television, 
the, the, the person asked him, well, does this vaccine work against the Delta strain? He goes, no, we have to make a new vaccine to the Delta strain. And I've been telling you guys that for every new mutation, you have to make a new vaccine. And if the <laughs> technology is so great and they can make a vaccine within three days, why haven't they done it for the Delta strain or the Lambda strain or the Kappa strain, IOTA strain, the Beta strain, the Gamma strain? They only focus on the Alpha strain because they got paid. <laughs> so they're not going to make the investment because you're going to be paying for it. And it takes three to 10 years for a vaccine to come to work. And we know that these vaccines are still experimental use. So we're still figuring it out. Yeah. I have one thing that I do want to mention to you because um, someone had shared your video and uh, the person says, well, he's not an epidemiologist. <laughs> What's an well, epidemiologist? And, and, that's what I, and, and that's my whole point of saying this to you, because can you please explain oh to people, um, you know, who really is the expert and what does that mean when you say what is an epidemiologist? Well, the two, the, uh, the, the true people are infectious East guys like myself. We, we, we're the guys, you know, writing the antibiotics, writing the infections, doing the surgery, the breeding stuff, cutting people's legs off, vaccinating kids. To pay a, we have a chief epidemiologist who's my right-hand person in, in Topeka. Statistics, reports, public health, telling you where maybe a source of infection, how to correct something academically and with practical experience. And so an epidemiologist is, is, is usually a, a PhD, you know, a person. And so you know, I'm gonna leave it there, but there's a there's a big difference between an epidemiologist. Uh, an epidemiologist cannot do surgery. An epidemiologist is not going out in the jungles and uh, doing vaccination programs. That comes to us medical doctors. Okay, I, I just had to to put that out there <laughs> because well, sometimes not, people are confused when they're like, "Well, yeah. I need to get my information from an epidemiologist," and I'm like, this, this, Epi, epi is demi. You're studying the, the uh, public health, you know. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm an I'm an infectious. I'm a microbiologist. I'm the one that teaches them public health. They have to get an A in my class as an epidemiologist. <laughs> I'm the teacher. Thank you. I'd like to go into just a little bit of a Q and A session with you. Some questions that I got from some of our viewers. Okay. okay. And so um, Leah Jones, she heard one of your shows and she asked, why do you anticipate that this pandemic will go on for a decade and what will make it phase out after a decade? This pandemic is not going to go on for a decade. This pandemic is going to probably go on for 50 years. But when you look at pandemics, average, you look at what happened in the Spanish flu from 1918 to 1920, people don't realize it didn't start it didn't end in 1920. It started in 1912 and went to, uh, you know, 22. Usually pandemics go about 10 years. That's just a cycle. When you look at, when you, when you peel it back and you look at historically, how long does a, a real pandemic go, real world? About 10 years. But you got to understand, folks, this SARS-CoV virus, this is not the first time it's here. This happened 25,000 years ago, <laughs> period. There, there was a pandemic in Asia, Japan, all that stuff. And we've gone back and looked at the genetic profile of the virus. So this is nothing new. The virus is just figuring out a vaccine, uh, what we call virulent effectiveness, a virus infecting to be able to affect people better. It's gotten better at its job in infecting people. 
And the reality is that we're you're not going back to what it was two, three years ago. That's fact. It's over. You will be wearing a mask because this is what the virus does. This is your future. And the reason why, because you folks did not listen to the real experts and you caused this, you know, uh, because you didn't want to wear a mask. You didn't want to wash your hands. You didn't want to do testing. You, you were too busy worrying about barbecue and your constitutional rights in the middle of a worldwide pandemic instead of sitting down and said, you know, I'm going to have to make some changes. And this is a consequence of it. You're not going to, you don't have to worry about being quarantined. You don't have to worry about social distancing. You don't even have to worry about the government because the virus is going to do what it's going to do. And nobody's going to tell the virus what it's going to do. You don't have to worry about a, a, a job mandating anything. The virus is going to mandate what's going to happen, period, end of story. Wow. Okay, another question. Um, she asked, do you have a favorite herbal antiviral out of the Amazon jungle? <laughs> I've, I've done some work with the shamans and the medicine doctors for years because a lot of people don't realize what came first, traditional medicine or tropical medicine. Tropical medicine came first. The Indians had the aspirin, you know, and gave that to the, the colonists. Uh, you have malaria medication coming out of the jungles of Peru. And there rose because plants are the manufacturers of uh, our chemotherapeutics. So maybe the next cure will be in the jungles, but we haven't had time to go do the research to find out there's some, some, uh, some flower plant that has that ability to that. But the only thing I need to tell you is that make sure you base your decision off of real science that you can see that improvement based by, by information, uh, science and stuff. Because a lot of people tout a lot of things, you know, like people are pushing malaria medication last year. And I, I've written thousands and treat thousands of people for malaria. Malaria medication got nothing to do with no virus. It's a, it's a parasite. It's a totally different organism. And so you gotta make sure you're not pushing, and I don't waste my time thinking about conspiracy theories because it's wasting my brain cells. So you need to base your stuff off of facts and stuff. Nitric oxide supplement, immune support's a great thing. Taking a multivitamin every day is great. You know, uh, you know, having a nice, healthy, positive attitude in your life is great. You do that, you're gonna survive. But all this stuff running around thinking that you're gonna, uh, you know, spray, you know, put your head in a, in a microwave to prevent a virus, that virus is already inside your body. So you gotta stick with the science. Okay. And so uh, speaking of a positive mind, there is someone who asked, this is uh, Lauren Meeks. She said, I would like to know if there is a connection between stress, fear, and lowering of your immune system. And are you more prone to get sick if you are mentally or emotionally strained? Oh yeah, absolutely. Depression is a big thing in any type of disease. You know, it uh, doesn't matter if it's just viruses or any factor. You know, depression can lower your immune system, make you more susceptible to infections and all types of other diseases and stuff. So that's why it's important to try to find your balance, find and try to find your mojo. You know, in this in this new world that we're navigating in, by being around positive people. You know, having a plan. You know, if you're walking every day on a beach, continue to walk every day. If you want to, you know, if you're reading a book, read your book, and trying to find that situation where you're comfortable. But the day of you going out there and going to a, a, a football game with 80,000 people in this SARS pandemic, you're putting your life at risk. You might want to watch that football game from your television. <laughs> a few more questions. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So uh, I have Henry Wofford. He asked, um, do you know the rate of infection by the variants for each vaccine? No, you don't really know the rates of infection. That's kind of a, a weird question. Okay. But we know mutation has, has, has propagated itself to become more effective, which means each mutation is going to be probably much more dangerous. The ability to affect they're going to have a mutation in a particular part of the receptor that maybe give us the ability to uh, evade the antibodies. If there are antibodies that are made, the ability to evade the immune system, the ability, the ability to attach to the cell, to inject its, uh, its material RNA into the cell. You know, this is, this, is, this is what we're talking about. But understanding that what vaccines uh, effectiveness is, you know, that, is, that, that word is still out there because we really don't have that word for vaccine effectiveness. There's two words that people talk about in vaccines. They talk about vaccine efficacy and they talk about vaccine effectiveness. Well, vaccine efficacy is just, man, I take 100 people, I want to make a vaccine. Uh, I give that vaccine to 100 people, 10 people got a headache. That's 90% vaccine efficacy on a population that's the most healthiest. But when you take that vaccine and go find out what the vaccine effectiveness is, it's going to do what it's doing now. You know, when they took the Pfizer vaccine and took it to Africa, it went from 90% down to 10% vaccine effectiveness. And they, they don't use it on the African strain because you're testing real people in the field. You got to test people that have diabetes, people with sickle cell, kids with autism, pregnant females, people that have cancer, wheelchairs, leukemia. And that, that, that subtype takes it out to a whole different ballpark. People that have organ transplants don't make, do not make antibodies. And they just had a study a month ago that they, they took people that had heart organ transplants, heart, lung, kidney, and they injected them with the vaccines, Pfizer, and they made no antibodies. And so that they told them people, you need to continue to wear a mask. And so immune, autoimmune, immunocompromised people. So that's a very, very good question, but you have to understand the totality and the holistic of what that really means for you to ask that type of question. And I hope I explained that pretty good to you. You did to me, <laughs> but which, um, and I think I may, I don't know if I heard you mention it before, but even with Pfizer's um, test, and then I'm going to get back to the questions. I was, I, it was my understanding that they didn't do their testing on minorities. No, they didn't. Um, I read the paper, the Pfizer paper. I have it on my Instagram. I have that one section, the conclusion of their paper that they submitted for FDA. You know, they tell you right there, the antibodies last 85 days, period. That's why I've been telling people for the last year, you will be getting a booster. Now they're talking about people can't get a booster because there's no antibodies left. Uh, they, they go away. And then when you actually look at the paper, the study they did in, 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 in Germany, there were people 18 to 56. They were white. They were half female, males, healthy. And it says right there in parentheses, they did not test people that were minorities. They did not test immunocompromised people, pediatrics, pregnant female, old folks. They would do that test in the field to figure out what's going to happen. So there you go. So this is why this is an experimental youth authorization. This is why they're practicing on you guys right now to get that number. And I don't think people understand that. And that's why people are having so many arguments with one another and, and you know, it's like the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. And I, I think it's crazy, personally. But, 
here's the deal. I, I'll put that argument to rest right now. Uh, I, I've said, I talked about that this morning on the radio. I've talked about that on, on the Black News Channel and different programs. If you're going to have a vaccine, period, end of story, the most important thing you have to have with a vaccine, you have to understand what your antibody levels are. That's what the vaccine is doing, supposed to produce neutralizing antibodies. And so when you get your shot that day, you need to say, I need to know my antibody levels. They should measure. You got such and such, you might not have any. Come back in 30 days after you get your first shot, they should do antibody testing. You might have some, you might not have none. Then after that, you're supposed to be fully vaccinated. They need, they need to measure your antibodies at three months, six months, nine months, 12 months, because that's how we know that big mama and the antibodies in the community is healthy. When we look at what happened in England, that's why I already knew where this was going a year and a half ago. England would test their population in London. You know, 60% of the people have been affected, whatever the case is, they have antibodies. That tells you, man, the, 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 the people making antibodies to the infection vaccination are through natural immunity. Well, they tested them again like three months later. Guess what? There was no antibodies. The antibodies that were made went away. So you have to reinfect the population again through a vaccine or they got to be reinfected again to make antibodies and then what i'm hearing now and this is fact there are people out there that i know that have gone down and got the they went down there they got their vaccine they paid for an antibody test and the antibodies said zero they came back 30 days to get their second shot and the antibody test said zero they came back in three months and got their shot i mean their antibody level it was zero did they get a placebo See, this is where that is why it's important that when I was in Arkansas, one of the biggest churches there in Little Rock, I said, and I said, how many people got vaccine? Man, I think probably 85% of people raised their hand, they got the vaccine. I said, how many people know what the antibody levels are? And nobody knew that. And that's the critical thing is knowing your antibody level. And I tell people part of a vaccine platform, if you're going to get vaccine, you better know what your antibody levels are. Maybe you'd have a thousand people that are getting placebos. Who knows? So this is the reality. Mm, wow. I, I, I'm amazed that they're even doing placebos during so, I mean, that, even that just kind of, I don't know. And people, but they're giving somebody a, a, a vaccine on this person in Chicago and, and they have money and they've done, they've paid for their test after getting the vaccine, Pfizer, and they still got zero antibodies. It's only could be one or two things. Yeah. They got people, the, the thing's not working because the antibodies tells you the response. That's the response mm -hmm. you want to have. That's just the that's just basic science and medicine. It's nothing to argue about. Right. You know, what's your body level? You got vaccine, what is it? You run down to the you run down to uh, lab quest, quest, whatever, lab core, I want an antibody level. And they measure it and they come back, you got zero. That tells you. Or you better know what your antibody levels as you perceive that you're supposed to have immunity because you got the vaccine. That is why these folks that are probably vaccinated are getting infected and dying. Maybe they don't have, no, no it tells you that, that they don't have proficient antibodies, but they're infected. So people need to know their antibodies. So vaccine and antibody testing go hand in hand. You can't separate it. Mm. I had a question. What it, why is it that when people get the vaccination, it's like, it's almost like they have COVID? What if they have the symptoms or other? Because you're actually, but you're actually injecting it. You're you actually, no matter what is it, mesh RNA, attenuated kill vaccine. You're actually injecting them with the virus. You put you put, you're just modifying the virus. You're infecting with a virus through a syringe. 
And so that's why people get temperature, uh, you know, body aches, muscle aches, mm -hmm. and then people have gotten full-blown complications. Ulan-Barre syndrome, paralysis, paralysis of the face, people have gotten clots, women have got clots in the leg, in the brain, you know, people, you, go, you can go right down all the complications. Now people with Pfizer and Moderna mesh RNA, they're finding that men, uh, young men are getting myocarditis of the heart. And it's on a warning when you get the vaccine now, but you know, you get this vaccine, there's a possibility you can have a heart problems. You know, this, this is where you see, if they'd have told people that a year ago, man, you know what? Eight months ago, you know, you get this vaccine, you know, informed consent, you can get heart attack, you can die, blah, 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 blah. They don't tell you folks that <laughs> because we're figuring it out now, the complications. And in six months, we're going to know some more complications. Mm. So I have a question. Um, this is from Craig Conwell. He asks, were there experiments done on mice and other animals with the mRNA vaccines? And if so, how long did they survive after the injection? And what is that timeline juxtaposed to human survival of those mRNA injections? I, I, would, I, I know that most vaccine programs are done in animals and rats were a part of that. I don't know what the timeline, I haven't seen the paper on that, so I don't know what the lifespan of the mice was, but I do know that, that that's part of the model and, and coming with vaccine manufacturing and stuff. So I, I couldn't answer that question on that. Okay. And I have another question. Jasmine Porter, she, like, she says, I like to know if the doctor thinks that strengthening the rapport between medical institutions and schools would be a beneficial, feasible approach to improving public health education. In other words, what if school children were as accustomed to engaging with spe specialists such as yourself as they are with uh, Museum Dawson. That's important. Now, one thing I, I love being a, a you know a, a black role model, a black doctor, is the ability to to infect young black children. I had the opportunity when I was in Little Rock to go visit you know two black schools, and these little five year old and nine year old and ten year old kids are sitting on my lap, rubbing my head. You know, this <laughs> real, it's, it's beautiful. But the problem that we have with that type of concept that you're talking about, that goes back to that humanitarian stuff. And our country has missed the boat on that one mm. because the awful experimentation they've done on black women cutting their vaginals out in Alabama by anesthesia, giving black men to, uh, giving them syphilis, you know, cutting little black boys' brains out in New York. Every time a black boy acted up in New York, they were practicing lobotomies on them. You know, so when you look at that and what they've done, that stuff is going out the window. And that's why people, we have this adverse reaction to, you know, you experimenting on black people with racial discrimination without any remorse or humanitarian. And that's why they tell you, hey, you know what, you know, you know black people goes just jump on the bandwagon. Well, our people went through a whole lot of stuff. And this is why you have this, uh, this, this vaccine and uh, hesitancy. And, but people want to tell you to forget about it. Well, you better not forget about it because it was our history and we never really dealt with it. And uh, we need to deal with it to make sure we can bring confidence back to the healthcare people are supposed to be representation of the, uh, of the people, but that hasn't been the case when you have, uh, you know, a certain population experiment on black folks or giving the Indians smallpox on blankets and stuff. So, so guys, we have to, to get that humanity back that comes to guys that are really into, like I am, global humanitarians in the bush, taking care of real people that don't speak your language.
but our system has been jaded because it's systemic racism in our medical system. There's a big disconnect. You can't tell me in the last, you know, 50 years that, you know, we only got 3% black doctors. You know, one guy gets into LSU every year. Come on, what is one doctor getting to LSU going to do for all the blacks in Louisiana? It's not going to happen. It's systemic racism. Let's just call it straight up what it is and stuff. And so this is the reality of what we're dealing with. So we're going to have to change that where we have to have black boys and girls look at people like me and go, man, I could be like Dr. Roland. He's really doing it. You know, um, when they go in the OR with me and I'm operating on three, three day year old babies, they're going, wow, this is real. Or they're in the jungles with me, you know, hiking through the jungles, going to different yeah. buildings. That's real. And seeing snakes and, and understanding mosquitoes. Because <laughs> that's real. Not, not some white guy coming to school and say, you can be a doctor. Because that white guy has no clue, no clue to the culture, never have doesn't know the difference between sweet potato pie and pumpkin pie or grits and collard greens. And so we have to get people that look like us talking to us because look at us talking right now. I mean, you know, I had a beautiful experience yesterday. I was eating sushi here in Las Vegas. I, I go to the sushi restaurant. I'm by myself, have my sushi. I'm leave out, I leave the restaurant. Black family walks in a black guy comes running after me. He says, Dr. Roland. I'm like, who's this? He goes, oh, Dr. Roland, oh, my God, you're Dr. Roland. And I looked at this brother, and he shook my hand, and he said, man, you saved my family's life. I've been following you from day one. I mean, I'm walking in the presence of God, so I'm doing my job to be in a situation that's unbelievable. And so that, that's what we have to do, and that's genuine, not, not putting some white guy, and he's supposed to be the authoritarian on them, because at the end of the day, you find out that they really can't, they really can't carry their own weight. And I'm sorry, I got six degrees. Okay. <laughs> At the end of the day. <laughs> what do you want to talk about? You want to talk about physics? <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm assuming you use some of that stuff in the military too, so. A bit of the military got me where I'm at because it wasn't for the military. I mean, I, I didn't get the, some of the, the big time residency programs like the, the white boys got. Right. I, I got to go to Hawaii, Honolulu at Tripler. The <laughs> program, that was fine with me. Then I had <laughs> two years down in Peru doing infectious diseases. That was fine with me because I'm really doing it in the hot zone. And that's what you experience. And that, I mean, I, I don't want to brag, but. I'm sorry, guys. You know, I'm, 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 I'm. I don't got time to play around with people. I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not the Pillsbury Doughboy or Teddy Bear. You know, you, you. I mean, I'm just the way it is. You can't keep up, don't step up. Sorry, <laughs> period. I can't change oil in a car. I can't change a tire. But when it comes to infectious diseases, in my world, <laughs> you must forget that. It's my world. All right. Do, do you mind sharing what branch you're in? Army. I knew it. <laughs> I'm type families in military, so I'm like, when you when you came on, I said I see a lot of military in it, <laughs> but I well, love it. I love it. Yeah. And this a special a special forces, right? Airborne recon pathfinder. Oh, okay. I'm not your normal guy. I'm not your normal. <laughs> guy. That's what I think. That's what the soldiers liked about me. You know, master fitness trainer, all that stuff. All that stuff character builds you to you. Jumping out of airplanes, you know. I wasn't a typical guy that went to medical school and got into the military. I was a cadet, four years ROTC scholarship. 
My dad was in the military. We're fifth generation. My son's a second lieutenant now. In fact, he's training right now, military police. So that builds character, discipline. And that's why I'm who I am, because I learned from the military dedication, discipline, and determination. I call it the three Ds. And that, <laughs> you know, every day of your life and stuff. And people don't understand that. So the military has been very good to me. And I'm sorry, you know, uh, I got six degrees. Yeah. No, don't be don't be unapologetic. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Nothing, nothing, nothing to be sorry about. That's something right, to we, be promoted. We need that. We need no. that. Right. We need to do more promoting oh, yeah. of that. And like you said, yeah. our children need to see more of that. Yeah. What happens is that our, our society always wants to make the, the black man sub subservient. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to, you know, if you're great, you have an attitude. And then they, you know, they take your education and make you a little bit downer than more than what they are so how in the hell is somebody with two degrees going to talk to somebody who got six degrees sure. what are you going to talk to me about <laughs> i have I mean, another question <laughs> <laughs> i can talk yes, to you sir. to learn some i <laughs> know uh, right <laughs> when the teacher is speaking the students should be quiet <laughs> um okay so now I don't even understand this question. Maybe you will. Can the mRNA injections prevent tumor necrosis factor from kicking in, causing cancer cells to accelerate and spreading throughout the body? Depending um, on what, depending on what that what the what they're injecting the mesh RNA with, if they're 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 injecting it and they have that, you know, people don't realize. What they're doing is to taking like for example the mesh rna and they're putting it in a, in a vector like an adenovirus they're putting a gene in that adenovirus because it has the ability so the adenovirus is a dna virus so they split part of that genetics out of there to make room to put whatever they're going to put in it and they inject it with and so for example if they're taking the tumor necrosis factor inhibitor putting that gene in that that adenovirus mra and they inject you yeah it's possible that's what the that's what the the the, the so-called brilliance behind in mesh RNA technology is supposed to be the leeway into future uh, future you know uh, vaccination and decrease in infectious diseases and cancers and everything. But the reality is one thing. Talk is another thing, and then putting it to practical application. We have the biggest pandemic in the world right now, millions billions of people. If your vaccine mesh RNA is so great and it takes you three days to make a vaccine, why haven't you done one for the Delta virus? Every time we get a new belt, uh, a new variant, Kappa, Gamma, Lambda, Iota, Kappa, you know, Beta, double mutation from Vietnam, which is Vietnam and India, the Af Afghanistan. If the vaccine is so, their technology and your platform is so good, they should be making vaccines every day for all the new variants. That's just the way it is. But it shows you we have a long ways to go still in that technology. So, um, I had, there was a, a story that I read about Gibraltar mm -hmm. having 100, the only country that has 100% uh, vaccination, but they've had COVID outbreak. I mean, people are asking their own question. I don't, I don't even have to comment on that. And people are bragging about New Zealand and people are bragging around Israel. I already knew what was going to happen. So then countries are shutting down, closing borders, and people masking up. This is, COVID virus, which is the largest RNA immunogenic virus on the planet, and your vaccine really doesn't have any 
vaccine effectiveness. That's just the facts. So you're answering your own question. One person can start it. One person. That is why if you're going to have a great vaccine, everybody has to be vaccinated. That kid on the Indian reservation, that black kid in that village in uh, in Africa, that black native uh, native Indian uh, in uh, Uganda versus the the boy, little Indian boy in the Amazon jungle. Everybody has to be up to the plate to be vaccinated. If you really truly believe that, if you have one person unvaccinated, look at you, you, you just said it. They got cases and it's going to probably go like wildfire because the vaccine doesn't have the effectiveness that they're talking about. We've been following you from day one, from the day that you did the show with your daughter. From Jordan. And uh-huh. and yeah, and I'm assuming that was the first time. Uh, that you that that you were out there talking about it, and, um, yeah. and so I've been listening ever since. So I'm one of those people. So I, I respect you, and I appreciate that you're out here doing what you're doing. And have I been wrong? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> you sure no. dispelled a lot of myths today. You've been you've been shutting it down. I can't wait till we air it because you can shut all these people up who think they're viro- virologists and they're not. I think some of it sometimes is that people want because they've chosen to do something. They feel like they have to stick to their guns about the decisions that they've made. And I also think that a lot of times people tend to just kind of be lazy. They want a pill that's going to do everything and they don't have to do any work themselves. They don't have to take they don't have to keep their immunity. up. They don't have to do anything. They just want. So I took this vaccine. So life should be back to normal. I should be okay. I should be able to rip off my mask. You're the enemy because you haven't. And I mean, that's kind of what's going on, but it's like a level of defensiveness that you see amongst people instead of just saying, you know what, just just listen. It's it's really okay that, you know, people have different views, which we should all be in this together. Well, but we're not really all this together. I mean, it's when it comes down to black, white, you got people that think they know more than other people. You know, uh, you got people in lanes that they shouldn't. My sister's an old, my sister's a chief of OB. She's not an infectious disease, but she'll tell you that. That she delivered babies and does it very well, high-risk obstetrics. But you got folks out there that are on, on programs, and, and you got a nurse talking about, what does a nurse know about virology? Nothing. What does a, what does a family practice guy know about infectious diseases, Ebola in the jungles of Peru? from what he's seen on television. What does he really understand? Does he really understand molecular pharmacology? See, I've taken courses, let me repeat it again, folks. I've taken courses called molecular pharmacology. Mm. I do stuff at the molecular level. Mm. I understand drugs. I understand uh, metabolism, RNA, DNA at a molecular level. My degrees in cellular molecular biology. So I understand that. I mean, and it's very hard for people to take their ego out of it they just don't have the experience. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not a cardiologist. I mean, I, I know the basics, but I'm not a cardiologist. I'm not a, a cardiothoracic surgeon. I'm not a neurosurgeon. I do reconstructive diabetic amputation like and congenital defects surgery. I'm a pro. <laughs> you know, you're talking about infectious diseases. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm a 10-time pro bowler when it comes to infectious diseases. But that's what we have to understand. So people's egos got involved in this and stuff. And mm-hmm. it says, I've been just kind of sitting back, just, you know, doing my thing and, you know, taking care of people. And, uh, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not in a pissing contest. I don't have to be. 
with people. I, I've been on MSNBC. You know, I've had my, I was on MSNBC last week. It was awesome. I was on there a year ago. I'm pretty consistent in what I'm saying, you know, so I, I think I have a little bit to offer and, you know, and, and that's just the way it is. And that's why these folks are going to get, have gotten people killed, you know, like the governor of Florida, the Abbott of Texas and Hutchison in Arkansas, they kill so many people. When we write the history books because of this conservative Republican white GOP. They have, this is why the virus is not going away anytime soon. That's why we're going to be dealing with this for the next 50 years. That's just the way it is, folks. Sorry. You know, they should have done what they're supposed to do. It's like good public health. You want to talk about what epidemiologists, they should have talked to an epidemiologist to explain them statistics, you know, and then they should have had somebody like me and get guys, this is a virus. You better wear a mask. This is public health. And they didn't do that because everybody's pride and egos involved. But the virus is going to uh, debunk these people and these folks that were talking last year like we say, they don't got any legs. They're going to follow. They're going to fall away. You know, they have their 15 minutes of fame and they're going to go away. So the reality is that we're, 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 we're going to get there. We're going to get there as a family one way or the other. And that's just the way it is. You know, human beings are going to survive. We've always survived diseases, but the question is that how many people are going to be on the other side? Like I say on my doc every morning, the three little pigs, are you on the train with them? <laughs> so that's the way it is. Tell me about that uh, coffee with Doc. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, uh, you know, I, you know, I have a pretty good public platform, and so I've always tried to educate people with my platform, one way or the other. And so, you know, I keep listening to people. I say, you know what, people think this is really a fairy tale. And so, you know, I said, you know, coffee with Doc evolved into <laughs> stuff as a fairy tale, so people can understand it. So it'll be like the three little pigs and the, and the bad virus, uh, the big bad wolf, uh, you know, Humpty Dumpty and Little Red Riding Hood dying from the virus. And I put in there sat satire to make it funny, but it's also serious uh, uh, virology information to make it funny. So when people read this about, you know, uh, you know, Humpty Dumpty and, you know, gingerbread man, run, run as fast as you can. You virus can't catch me if you can. You know, that gets people and it really puts it more into people's brains. So every morning I usually have coffee with Doc. It's a satire, but I also have 10 or 15 articles from around the world to show you what's going on. So it's always great information. Get your coffee, get up in the morning, you read coffee with Doc. You know, uh, you know this morning's uh, uh, coffee with Doc was talking about Goldilocks and, she, and the three bears, but her hair wasn't Goldilocks. It was hairspray, jerry care juice that gave her that shine. <laughs> and you know, three little and so so understanding, and you know, she ended up dying from not washing her hands on the bear's toilet. <laughs> so right. it gets people involved, and it's funny and stuff. But it's it's serious, but it's funny, and I, I I'm I'm having a good time writing it. I'm inspired. Okay, thank you. So thank you again. Um, I think we're gonna go to our challenges section, yeah. and then we're gonna close the show out. Ooh, we we got some challenges. I'm gonna tell you that right now. Thank you, Dr. Rowling, because you you contribute all of these is from you. So I'm gonna go ahead and go to it. Number one challenge: wear your mask, people, but get you an antiviral mask, not the cutesy mask, not the mask that match your outfit, but an antiviral mask. The next thing you need to do is work on creating a bubble. Your objective should be to protect yourself from this. Uh, COVID and for future strands. So please 
please create a bubble. The next one is use hand soap and sanitizer that kill viruses. Not the ones that's in the store that you get at the counter that's for 99 cents. No, we talking about real hand sanitizer and soap that kills viruses. Next is get you a, a shoe mat for, for disinfecting. I, I need that. You gotta tell us where we can get it from. I need to get one of those. Next, take your multivitamins. And the next one after that is to uh, your for your immune support, take nitric oxide. Is that what it is, brother? Nitric we, oxide. Is that what it is? We have that on our website too. You guys have I've sent you guys the links to that so people can get it. Cool, cool. Along with that, use situational awareness. Be smart. What's more important, being seen at the barbecue or protecting yourself? We have to use situational awareness. Also, work on getting the air purifier. Well, well, how much money do we spend in our community? What's our buying power? We can afford an air purifier that has HEPA UV radiation filters. Double the power. And the last thing is, know your antibodies level. That's very important. And those are our challenges. And thank you so much, Dr. Rowland, for those challenges. Well, thank you very much for it. I hope this was very good information. Yes. Like, you know, I feel like I'm back in the classroom. And, you know, <laughs> teaching in the classroom, instead of teaching in, in my 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 university in germany or my classroom in uh in uh, peru or the hospital or the university wait we're having a classroom right now yes but this is what but this is what we need people in the united states period and and and, and especially those of us in the african-american community um i think it's important that we hear things and that we hear things from people who look like us um who have our best interests at heart and you can, as you can say, you can take it to the bank. <laughs> and my other word is always, it is fact. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put, put my six degrees against anybody else's education and my experience in the jungles against anybody on this planet, period. End of story. Right. End of story. Yeah. But well, we, we really appreciate you being here. Is there anything that you want to uh, leave our listeners with? Um, something that you really want to hit home with uh for them to understand and in any way that they can follow you and how to um get any of the, the the supplies or anything that we need well i hope when you guys put put the link to the topeda biosecurity.com website and also the our immune support uh and for people to be able to get our products our tech i don't call it products i call it our biosafety technology based from air hand food etc mats etc and I want people to continue to realize that we have a long ways to go. That's just the reality, folks. You know, and make sure you're getting your information from credible sources and not, not talking heads, because talking heads will talk you into a body bag. And that's just a fact. And the reality is that, you know, uh, you know, I'm here to give you guys the best information. You can go to Dr. Rowling on Instagram or you can go to uh, Dr. Rowling on Facebook. Hook up. Read coffee, uh, uh, you know, uh, coffee with Doc. You know, follow me because I always, I'm always putting information on there. Help me. You can even take um, our course. We have a course every Thursday, microbiology course for one hour mm -hmm. with me and an epidemiologist we teach together, Dr. Weir. So you can take a course from us uh, at Topeda on understanding microbiology. Uh, it's kind of, a, it's a fun course, but we go, to, we go through an epidemiology book and we go through a microbiology and a virology book. And so people are doing assignments. They're doing clinical field stuff. So educate yourself. You do that, you're going to be fine and continue to follow me on the Black News Channel 
And, uh, you know, and follow me on all the different platforms. You know, I post, a, you know, when I get a flyer, they doctor really wants you to speak here. I put that on, uh, on my, my, my social media, Instagram, uh, and Facebook. And so people can, they can tune in and learn because we're going to be learning together for at least the next three or four years. That's just the way it's got to be. And I look forward to coming back and doing another show part two, because yes. it'll be if the numbers are in about a month. I know. Right. Yeah. But we would love to have you back. Definitely. <laughs> and thank you again. This, this has been so wonderful. Thank you so much. <laughs> so thank you. And thank you. thank you everyone for joining us on another episode of conversations with the Royal Empress. And we'll see you next episode. Thanks for listening to another episode of Conversations with the Royal Impress. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation. For more information on the Royal Impress, please visit the website royalimpress.org. You can also follow the Royal Impress on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Conversations with the Royal Impress is a subsidiary of the Royal Impress organization. All rights reserved.